Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And um, if it sounds a bit weird, like I'm in a different place, it is uh, because I'm in the car. Uh, and I'm in the car and I'm sat uh, at a place called Marsden, uh, which is um, about six or seven miles away from, from where I live. And, uh, and I'm watching the cricket. My eldest is playing in a cricket match. It's uh, it's what it's it's ten to seven on Friday. They're desperately trying to get done so we can get back to watch the England uh, Scotland game. And a sheep has just walked past the car um, because this particular cricket pitch, uh, which is really high up on the side of a hill next to a, a, a golf uh, club as well, but one of the one of the the things about this cricket pitch is there there's loads of sheep that just run wild on this particular on this particular hill. So uh, uh, one sheep's just wandered past the car and I'm looking at two other sheep that are eating uh, grass actually on the pitch uh, as the game is in progress. Uh, and that's fairly normal for Marsden. Uh, I don't really know what else to say. Anyway, um, back to normal format this week after the little uh, sojourn into, uh, into on-location recording last week. So um, we'll kick off with a little bit of that twangy guitar. <laughs> Monday. Now, of course, you'll be expecting me today to talk about the fact that we've put um, another four weeks of, of restrictions, or rather, we've pushed back the final phase of unlocking. Um, back to the 19th. You'll be expecting me to talk about that today, but to be honest, I'm not going to for no other reason than it was just so blatantly obvious it was going to happen and it was also predictable when we didn't shut the border down um, back uh, when we should have done um, back in the, the early part of whatever month it was. I guess it was it was the early part of uh, of May. I'm assuming I can't can't remember. But um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on that because that is that's they've been briefing that story for for, for about ten days now. It's quite clearly going to happen. So there's no point, you know, there's no point going there too much on that. I could also um, talk about um, yesterday's um, press conference. I could talk about the press conference that Boris Johnson did coming out of the G7. Um, at the point where um, England were playing Croatia and, and, and the opportune piece of timing for that press conference to keep as many people looking the other direction as possible because it was a bit of a car crash uh, and proved um, you know, how, how uh, out of his depth he, he is when put in a room full of reasonable journalists. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that either. I'm going to talk about Panini stickers. Uh, and the fact that my faith has been restored in in the whole concept of um, well, it's not stickers because right. So what's happened recently is that we've we've done a number of these these books where you you collect cards. Uh, Sainsbury's do quite a lot of them, and Lego's one, and there's been a couple of others that we've done, and they've all been cards. They've not been stickers. And I go back to Panini stickers from when I was a when I was a kid. And if you don't know what Panini stickers are, then um, Panini sticker books are our books uh, that, that, that you, you normally get given the book, and they were always football stickers. Um, if, if you you know go back to when when I was a kid, the, the football was about the only sticker books you could get really, and uh, and you'd get one every year, and it would be invariably the teams in the in in what was the old first division, and it was a big thing to have stickers and collect stickers and do swaps and all those kind of things, and and it's one of those things that you look back on. 
uh, as being a, an important part of your growing up and in, in, in your youth. Um, and of course, um, it was something that everybody took part in. And back then, compared with now, um, well, even then, probably, um, it was, you know, ridiculous amount of money to finish a sticker book. In fact, I don't think I ever finished any one of the probably eight or ten of these things that I ever started. But the, the only kind of, the only times we've had them in the house with the kids has been... Um, has been sort of the, the kind of things you've got through people like Sainsbury's, which, as I say, have been sort of Lego and other sort of things, and they've all been cards. So you've spent an amount of money in Sainsbury's, you've been given a pack of cards, um, and and they're, they're really difficult to get the cards in the in the albums. They don't, they just don't work. They just the the whole concept doesn't work. The whole concept of trying to get a card into four little kind of um, little kind of cutouts in a piece of paper just makes no sense, um, and. Um, Josh got the, I think, I think we got the, I don't know whether we got given it at school or where we picked it up, but he ended up with the, with the Euro, Panini uh, Euro album. And I went and got the first stickers for him um, yesterday. And I was over the moon that having got these, these packets, because I didn't know what was going to be in them. And they were stickers proper. So he sat, he sat yesterday and went through and, and was sticking stickers into an, uh, an album and I just felt that some sense of natural order had been resumed um, because you know the the world of Panini which is something I've got fond memories of uh, is still the same in 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 2021 as it was in uh, in I guess the late 70s when I first started <laughs> been out for a walk today and one of the things that I noticed uh, as I was walking around was two or three people who'd put um, plants outside their um, plants for sale uh, at the end of the drives uh, or by the front gates or what have you and I don't know why I noticed it um, t today but then what it's made me realise is that for whatever reason through lockdown more and more people have been growing plants and then putting little things out, either selling them for a low amount or doing them for donations or just giving them away. And, I was, and, and it's only today that it struck me how many of these little kind of cottage industry things, be it plants, be it eggs, be it whatever it is that people are selling at the end of their, at the end of their drives, how many they've actually been that I've, I've, I've witnessed over the course of the past of the past year, there's a place at the end of the street uh, selling bantam eggs. Um, uh, definitely, there's, there's there's one I walked past today doing um, tomato plants. We've had another one today doing strawberry plants. Then one with more general plants. Um, there's been quite a few people doing little bits of you know i guess stuff that might well have gone to a charity shop but that's been been plonked at the end of uh, the you know at the border of the house and by the way if you keep hearing something strange in the background it's my it's my windscreen wipers uh, because as i continue to watch the cricket match that i'm watching and because it's raining up on the side of the hillside every once in a while they they, they kick in and they uh, they do their windscreen wipery bit so uh, if you hear a strange kind of noise that's what it is so yeah it's it's um I've I've not really picked up on it until it got to critical mass today about how many um, kind of things there are. There's been a, 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 there's a there's a, a lady in the 
in the village that started a whole bookstore that sits out of, uh, and that's for the air ambulance, I think, that's the, the, that she puts out every day. And there's two or three tables full of books and DVDs, uh, and you're invited to make a contribution. And it just seems to have mushroomed. And I think it's really nice. Um, I don't know if it's something that's going on in, in lots of places, but for whatever reason, people have been doing more things. They've either been collecting stuff or clearing out or, or, or baking stuff or whatever it might be and, and, and shoving, it, shoving it, it, it all out for, for, you know, for general consumption. So um, not really anything other than just a nice thing, really, and just something I noticed in, in passing. <laughs> I have a fascination with charity shops and I have a fascination with buying books from charity shops. I've probably said this before and I, I like nothing more than, than, than scooting round or having a, a, an hour where I, I scoot round the half dozen charity shops in Home Firth and just, just look and, and look for books. Um, and I've, talk, I've, said, I've talked about this in the past. I mean, the great thing about it is you never know what you're going to find. So unlike you know, going anywhere where you go in to look for something, it's, it's, it's what's going to be there. And you drop on things all the time. And and today I, I bought I bought a, a Robert Harris book called The Second Sleep, um, which I've thought about buying but never got around to buying. Really like Robert Harris, so to to, to find that it was great. And I also a film um, I'd watched through lockdown um, called Birdman with Michael Keaton. Um, I picked that up today. Uh, which I thought was fantastic when I saw it. It's, it was on one of the streaming services, not anymore, uh, and it's the kind of thing that I will watch again. I thought it was thought it was terrific, and again, just seeing. I've never seen that in charity shop before. Saw it, just picked that up, um, you know, and 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 it was you know, another one of those things of you get something and it's like brilliant. I wasn't expecting to see that today. Found that great, love it, um, and and the sense of actually finding something like that is almost better than the the book or the dvd or whatever it might be um but the other thing that i really like about um you know searching for books in charity shops is i i i am drawn to books that i've read that i like that i can then buy for other people um and i'm constantly buying books that i've really enjoyed that i'll then try and match to somebody i know and i used to do this a lot um, when I was at Shaw, uh, I'd be constantly taking books in that I'd found for different people. And I got used to what different people liked because there's just something about, well, there's a book there. You're helping out, you're helping out a charity by, by buying them and, and, and you're sharing a book with, with, you know, with other people. And so there's been certain books that I've bought many times now. I mean, I must have bought half a dozen to eight copies of Gentlemen in Moscow and giving those to different people. I've not found anybody yet who hasn't enjoyed that book. Um, I must have bought half a dozen copies of um, uh, The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova uh, for lots of different people. Um, and some of them are books that, because the great thing about books is that, that I mean, some of my favourite books are books that have been recommended to me, and then some of other people's favourite books have been books that I've recommended to them, if that makes sense. And um, so I know that you know, I really enjoyed um, Normal People. Before Normal People became the TV show, the Sally Rooney book, I, I, was, I had that recommended to me, and somebody actually lent me that book, actually. And I loved it, absolutely adored it, thought it was great. Uh, another book by Sebastian Fortz called uh, Where My Heart Used to Beat was something that was recommended that I absolutely adored. And then similarly, 
you know, I read the story and I read, um, you know, Gentleman in Moscow and I've, I've been able to, um, Snow Falling on Cedars is another one, been able to actually recommend those to, to other people. And so, um, so when I stopped at Shaw, um, I, I, I sort of, my, I, I, I missed out on other people I could buy books for. But it's turned out after a few conversations that two of the people I'm working with at the MIA are really avid readers and they ha and a lot of the books we talked about they haven't read. So what I was able to do this week was start again. So I bought two more copies of A Gentleman in Moscow this week and I bought a copy of this story this week and I also book, uh, bought A House of Silk, which is an Anthony Horowitz, which I thoroughly enjoyed, which is a Anthony Horowitz writing as, um, writing as Sherlock Holmes book. And so I've been able to, to start that whole thing again, which is great because it, it's, it's great going to look at charity shops, but it's even better when you, when you know there are certain books that if they're there and they're calling to you, you can get them and you can pass them on to, pass them on to other people. Um, so I've got a lot of pleasure out of doing that in the past and I've had a lot of pleasure out of doing that, doing that today. Thursday. Now I think we knew that Dom uh, Cummings was definitely uh, going after Matt Hancock. Uh, when he did his select committee appearance a couple of weeks ago, um, he absolutely he had it in for Boris and he had it in for a couple of others, but he absolutely was gunning for Matt Hancock. Um, and if at any point we weren't sure that he was out to get him, then we've had another round of it this week because he's released um, some WhatsApp messages and some um, text messages that that essentially, or, or purported to be from um, between him and, uh, and Boris, and um, the responses from Boris that effectively say that Hancock is hopeless. Um, and very quickly, the whole hopeless Hancock uh, phrase um, went round, and uh, certainly everybody on Twitter got very animated very quickly, and it went around Westminster very quickly, and it became, you know, uh, something that were, was even raised in, uh, in 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 PMQs this week. And um, so there's no there's no doubt there's no doubt wherever you might think there's no doubt that Dominic has for whatever reason Dominic has fallen out with Matt, and Dom is after Matt without a shadow of a shadow of a doubt. Um, what was interesting, though, is obviously, as you'd expect, lots of journalists now are, have been asking um, plenty of, uh, you know, plenty of, uh, of MPs and plenty of ministers if they thought um, Hancock was hopeless. Um, and it was a question that was put to um, the head of the uh, NHS, who I think is called Simon Stevens, if memory serves. But anyway, it was, it was put towards the guy who's the, the, the head of the, uh, the NHS. And it was obviously a question that wasn't part of the brief uh, for the interview that he was doing. And he stands there for a good 20 or 30 seconds and he doesn't answer the question, but he smiles in a way that tells you everything you need to know of his opinion of Matt Hancock. And they go again and they ask another similar question uh, based on Hancock's performance. And he stands there and he smiles again and he tells you everything you know about whether uh, the head of the NHS thinks that Matt Hancock is or isn't competent. And it's a wonderful clip and it's really worth watching. You can't help but smile when you're watching it. Um, but but there's something deep and, and, and worrying underneath, you know, in, in, in terms of, of, of the reaction of the reaction to somebody in that position about about the relevant minister. 
Um, so I don't know how it's going to shake down. I mean, I, I don't see I don't see Matt Hancock being around forever because I think at some point he'll get thrown under the bus, and I think at some point when it when it when it suits um, when it suits Johnson, he will he will he will go in the same way when it suits Johnson, Williamson will go uh, because they're clearly not competent and, and and shouldn't be you know in the positions they're in. Um, but but I don't I just don't know if it's going to happen on the back of what what Dom is throwing out. But Dom is clearly he's clearly not going to stop this. He clearly thinks he's got enough. So we'll wait and see how it unfolds over the next over the next couple of weeks. Friday. Um, it's Friday night. Um, still at the cricket though it's it's getting towards a conclusion. It looks like Josh's team's going to going to win. Um, the, cha- the opposition chasing 104 and they're currently 39 for 8 uh, with 6 overs to go I don't see them pulling this one back if I'm uh, if I'm perfectly honest so I think he's going to we're going to head back I think we're going to get back in time for the England-Scotland game which is great uh, and we're going to head back on, on a victory which is which is fantastic the sheep are still eating the grass which is which is exactly as it should be um, and you know the um the, 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 the portents of doom are there because the, the sky is dark in, um, in that way that you, when you get the clouds going over the tops of the hills towards Saddleworth Moor, you get that kind of dark, sort of foreboding look about the sky. It's a spectacular, um, a spe- spectacular view from up here. Um, and in terms of the end of the week, I guess really I need to finish on the, the, the fantastic um, result in the uh, Cheshire and Amersham by-election um, as the um, as you know as a Tory uh, majority was, was was overturned by the Lib Dems uh, yesterday and I think it talks there's a few things this talks to which I'm really quite interested in um, f- firstly is this whole concept that um, with what the government's doing to chase down the red wall vote with what they're doing uh, with things like the leveling up agenda and what they're trying to do to attract um, to to attract you know the sort of seats they've been they that, that effectively took them to power the Sunderlands and the Hartlepools and those kind of seats that that at some point you start to get traditional Tory seats that now start to feel left behind that actually with the, you know the, the, those places which have traditionally been used to getting all the money and used to get having their values and, 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 and their constituents well looked after are now looking, you know, a little bit um, green-eyed with envy at places uh, that, that are starting to attract uh, both attention and investment. And, of course, you're talking about a lot of the leafy, leafy suburbs and the, and the shires who probably aren't that bothered about, you know, changes to planning permission making it easier to, to build, particularly in the countryside. So um, th- that... That which has been talked about, about that support, that traditional support being eked away, seems to be happening. Um, it, 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 it seems to be that you, what you can't do is you can't hold on to your traditional base uh, whilst changing your outlook to, to attract what was traditionally a Labour voter um, without cracks starting to appear. So that, that, that was interesting. Um, the other, I guess the big thing... Um, was was the concept of this being tactical voting in in action and a blueprint for the the you know for the centrist parties to actually make an impact 
Um, all we've heard about is is how woeful Labour has been over the past few months and how there's not a hope in hell that Labour are going to get elected to the next election. And of course they're not um, when you look at the numbers. The numbers just don't make any sense. The, the, the amount that would need to be overturned to allow Labour to get an, an absolute majority, an overall majority, is far too great, particularly with the stranglehold that, that the SNP have got and the fact that, that, that parties like Plaid are growing in, you know, in Wales. Um, what However, we have seen is that the centrist parties are starting to work out that if they want to displace the Tories, then that is possible, but they are going to have to work together. And we've, we've talked a lot about centrist coalitions, but it seems to be, there seems to be some, some examples now of it actually happening practically on the ground. Um, Labour, the Greens, uh, worked together in, in Amersham, and, and had they not have done you, you wonder whether the Amersham vote would have been possible. The thing that's interesting about Amersham is that we've taken a 16,000-seat Tory majority and we've not only overturned that, it's not only been overturned, but it's, it's led to an 8,000 Lib Dem majority. That's a 24,000-seat move. That's unheard of or relatively unheard of. And it, and it bodes well for the future because there are enough seats that are winnable for the Lib Dems, the Greens and Labour to take a coalition government over the line the next time we go to the polls. So the next example of this is going to be Batley and Spen. Um, can Batley and Spen work in, in the same way? Because if Batley and Spen can work, and if, if um, Labour can work in parallel with the Lib Dems and the Greens to get a Labour victory in Batley and Spen, then you start to look at a real possibility for... Um, for ousting the Tories, even with an 80-seat majority, in a single election cycle, um, and of course the future, the, the future realistically is in coalition uh, election governments. If we want, well, you've only got to go back. The 80-seat majority comes from UKIP standing down in seats where the Tories, you know, needed to win the seat. So UKIP don't stand down. In those seats, there's no 80-seat majority. The, 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 the other side of the fence has just got to apply the same logic. And if they do apply the same logic, they can win the election. It's as simple as that. Um, and it was nice to see that in action, in action this week. Um, so, it's, to, to, you know what? It's not a bad place to... If we're going to talk politics, let's talk about positive politics once. And I don't think that's a bad, a bad place to be, uh, to be at all. Um, I hope you're well. Uh, stay safe. Uh, enjoy the football tonight and I will uh, and I will talk to you next week. If you've enjoyed therapy for me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>